Welcome back to the Urban Lore Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Castaños. Our next five episodes will have the same theme. I mean, it is spooky month after all. These next episodes will be a true or false of Halloween legends and stories. It's only fitting that a holiday dedicated to the macabre and scary things would develop a lore all its own. Tonight's show will discuss any parent's worst nightmare. After a long night of trick-or-treating, your little goblins and ghouls pour their sweet gains onto your kitchen table. Being the responsible parent that I know you are, you carefully examine each goodie. As you go through the candy, you obviously create a small pile of your own. You know, payment for your diligence. But as you sort one piece after another, one stands out. It just doesn't look right. As you look at it more carefully, you realize that there is something sharp protruding from the chocolate. It's it's a needle. At that point, your face can't hide your horror as you try and remember what all houses you stopped at. It's a story that's been told in newscasts and online it's been a part of feature films. Even the local emergency rooms offer to x-ray your kid's candy, just in case. But what is the reality behind this horrific story? Are there people that are so deranged that they would do this? I'm afraid we know the answer to that. How common is it? When did it begin? I'm very happy to report that there are few, if any, substantiated cases in the United States of strangers tampering with Halloween candy. There have been cases where people put things in the candy after it was collected. I guess this is kind of a cry for attention. There have been cases of candy being poisoned to affect a specific person. And there have been several cases of people handing out mean-spirited, though rarely poisonous things, out of meanness or spite. Let's start with those buzzkills, the kind that hand out non-edible uh, or scarcely edible items. In 1964, a very cranky Long Island woman decided that some of the kids ringing her doorbell were just too old to be trick-or-treating. She decided to have a special set of treats for them. Those that she deemed to be too old received steel wool, dog biscuits, and ant bait. Luckily, the ant bait was still clearly labeled as poison. This may be the very first recorded instance of a Karen. She was arrested and pled guilty to endangering children. In 1959, a different kind of treat was handed out in California. For some unknown reason, Dentist William Shine decided to hand out candy-coated laxative pills. I have no words. He was also arrested. Needless to say, you only need a few instances like this to create hysteria. Stories in Philadelphia and Detroit spread through the media, although none of these were ever proved or substantiated. The New York Times even fueled the flames with a 1970 article that stated those Halloween goodies that children collect this weekend on their rounds of trick-or-treating 
may bring them more horror than happiness. When the mainstream media gets in on it, well, it it must be true, right? The Tylenol poisonings did nothing to help this, considering that the individual that poisoned just a couple of bottles of Tylenol with cyanide did so right before Halloween. Sadly, there have been instances when children have been harmed by candy that was tampered with. Maybe even more disturbing than the idea of a random stranger wanting to harm unsuspecting children is when it comes from someone in the family. Sadly, the actual cases, more often, entail parents or guardians poisoning their own children for insurance money. Sociologist Joel Best from the University of Delaware actually specializes in these stories. Through exhaustive research, through newspapers, police reports, and hospital records, Best uncovered less than 90 suspected cases from 1958 to 1983 of candy tampering. Of those cases, none were attributed to random poisoning. Most cases were parents attempting to profit from the deaths of their children through insurance. The other examples were kids who tampered with their own candy for attention or notoriety. In 1974, in Deer Park, Texas, Ronald Clark O'Brien poisoned his own son with cyanide in a pixie stick for the insurance money. He passed out other lace pixie sticks to cover the crime, but luckily none of the others were consumed. In other instances, deaths were falsely attributed to poison candy. When a young person dies on Halloween or immediately afterwards, the narrative often goes toward tampering. But once again, when medical records are reviewed, the cause of death was found to be underlying health issues almost every time. As a parent, I always inspected all of my daughter's candy after we got home on Halloween. Common sense still strongly urges only consuming fully wrapped and sealed candy. Anything, I mean anything that looks suspicious, should simply be discarded. Safety first and always err on the side of caution. You can always buy more candy. But if we use common sense, pay attention, and maybe only go to homes we know, you will likely have a safe and fun trick-or-treat experience. We love our kids and should do everything we can to protect them. But one last word on candy. Please stop with the candy corn and the circus peanuts. No one likes them. Do you have friends that prefer treats to tricks? Tell them about our podcast. Like and share the show. Follow us on Twitter at UrbanLorePod or write to us at UrbanLorePodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. For the Urban Lore Podcast, I'm Tom Castaños.